1: Well, sure, portions of the program may have been recorded. That, that's what we call in the biz audio clips to add to the verisimilitude. But live and local, behind the mic here at AM 960, the Patriot KKNT, you got your old pal J.D., recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth, in for Seth, Seth Leibson and the number to call in our final hour together on this Friday, 602 Five oh eight oh nine sixty. Now coming up a little later, just the way my uh, <laughs> my brain works. Big history fan, political history, broadcast history—they merge in only the way that my twisted mind can do it. They merge and uh, also offer pointed uh, comments from both today and historically about that uh, that really weird really dark screed that old Joe treated us to last night in front of independence hall in philadelphia ironies abound do they not philadelphia city of brotherly love And there's the guy who is the occupant of the White House who allegedly got more votes than any other candidate in history. 81 million, and he's all uptight, and he's angry, and he's yelling. Gee. As uh, the late, great Paul Harvey used to say, no known connection. But get this. The University of Southern California was supposed to host a mayoral debate now that there is a devilishly divisive campaign for mayor in the City of Angels. Word has come that the University of Southern California, USC, has decided not, not to host the debate. According to the headline from Drudge, and you got, you know, the Drudge report has changed through the years. Matt took that big payoff, and now the folks who put it together, they're, they well, they're not Matt. And they sure as heck ain't conservative. But anyway, this headline, I think, encapsulates uh, what, what has happened there at USC. Quote, citing escalating tension in politics... USC pulls out of hosting mayoral debate. USC now stands for University of Scaredy Cats. Well, I don't, you know, you, if you've ever been over there, uh, here it is. Here is the abstract reasoning that uh, you remember on your SAT, right? Uh, it's very interesting in these two major cities, but USC is to Watts as Columbia is to Harlem. It's just, it's very interesting that you have these these uh, prestigious institutions with these manicured lawns and uh, really a pastoral setting over at USC, but it's in the middle of Watts. Ditto for Columbia in Harlem. Just one of the curiosities of the way cities develop. So, USC has said, no, we're, we're not going to host this debate because you're going to bring us a lot of trouble we don't like. Now, I'm tempted to say it's because old Joe uh, got throttled up the other day, but I I shall not make that claim. I'll Maybe I'm making a strong inference. That's for you to decide. You know, you think about what has happened in relatively recent history. Take, for example, the Reagan Renaissance. It is seldom heralded by today's history scholars. And, you know, that's just, that's a shame. For those few who do attempt to explain it, a one-liner is usually all they can spare from their considerable labors to revise the past so that they may pacify the woke among us. And, predictably, their minimalist assessment goes something like this. Uh, Ronald Reagan's boundless optimism induced his fellow countrymen into believing it was morning in America again. That's it! But, but, for the vast majority of Americans who were a voting age in the 1980s, yeah, I'm raising my hand, you can't see me, that's why I'm telling you that. Those of us who experienced the age of Reagan firsthand, well, we know it was much, much more. The end of stagflation. The restoration of a strong national defense as well as a strong economy. And yes, yes, a consensus that America was back. No wonder the 40th president won a second term in a landslide of historic proportions. Carrying, now get this, Ronald Reagan in 1984... Carried forty nine states. The only state won by Walter Mondale was his home state of Minnesota. Ronald Reagan carried forty nine states and and the District of Columbia. That's never gonna happen for a Republican again. And it is true that the television ad typifying the successful campaign in eighty four proclaimed it's morning in america again as i mentioned earlier that line so resonated within the national consciousness that even contemporary critics employing it in fashioning a very quick dismissal of the reagan years while conservative historian and former house speaker newt gingrich describes reagan's distinguishing characteristic as cheerful persistence the fact is that the former radio sportscaster and Hollywood actor was likewise persistent in warning Americans about a fate considerably less cheerful. Reagan put it this way. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, protected and hand it on to them to do the same. Or, one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Sadly to a whole lot of people, it appears that one day is fast approaching. Welcome to a different kind of mourning in America, spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning in America. Thoughtful Americans, regardless of partisan label or political philosophy, find themselves mourning the unprecedented FBI raid on the home of a former president. No less a liberal than Alan Dershowitz, lifelong Democrat and Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, wrote, quoting now, that the full-scale morning raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home does not seem justified. If it is true that the basis of the raid was the former president's alleged removal of classified material from the White House that would constitute a double standard of justice. In a column written for the newspaper The Hill, Dershowitz goes on to explain that two figures who have enjoyed his political support, 2016 Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton and former Clinton-era national security advisor Sandy Berger, were spared raids of their homes for comparable allegations of mishandling official records in the recent past. Dershowitz has repeatedly warned against the criminalization of political differences, but that appears to be precisely what the Department of Just Us is doing right now. Simply stated, the Biden administration authorized a raid of the home of a former president who could very well face Joe Biden as the Republican presidential nominee again in 2024. What can be done to rescue our republic? Listen again to President Reagan. The future is best decided by ballots, not bullets. Here's the fact. On election day, the first Tuesday following the first Monday in November, your vote can turn morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, into morning once again. Now stop and think about that. And when we continue this hour, I will point out why Joe Biden, with his provocations last night, is itching to deliver a switch in using the full weight of the federal government. It's J.D. for Seth. Stay with me. Well, thank you very much. Although I think the regular host has, has supplied all the music, so he might like that word best. And, and maybe you miss him, I and mean, he's a great guy. But I gotta tell you, I'm happy to be here. In for Seth Liebson, recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth. Number to call 602-508-0960. Now, uh, <laughs> here's the way my mind works. Uh, loving broadcast history and political history, it just kind of merges. Way back in, in the comparative stone age of television. And I've seen the kinescopes for this, the old black-and-white, scratchy uh, way that they used to preserve television shows before uh, videotape. Uh, Game Show Network used to run something called The Names the Same. And the whole deal was, you'd have these two guys, and their name would be the same. And I forget the way they'd try to figure I think one guy would be famous, and another guy would be like... You know, Joe Schmo. Uh, well, I'll give you an example from Washington. Okay, here are two guys you could put on a game show, although one guy might chicken out. The name John Roberts. Uh, that name belongs to the Chief Justice of the United States, who has a spine of jelly and is so arrogant that, you know, he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Remember when he was going to swear Obama into office, he didn't take the oath with him. He thought he remembered it, and he muffed it. And so Obama's lawyer said, hey, call the chief justice. This was after the inaugural break. Call the chief justice in to properly administer the oath. So that John Roberts is number one. And then you have a guy who actually was known by his friends as J.D. John Roberts of Fox News, used to be at CBS, but before that, he was one of the CBC guys, uh, J.D., the DJ, <laughs> okay, but I'm making the point about John Roberts, the name. Well, as to, as history points out, two men have served in the United States Senate with the same name, and they could not be uh, more different. One is the senator, the Republican from Louisiana, John Kennedy, who this morning on the Fox News Channel offered this assessment of Joe Biden's bad speech from last night. Cut seven.
0: He could have talked about crime, inflation, uh, learning loss by our children, the mountains of fentanyl coming across the border, killing our teenagers. Instead, he chose to say... To the American people, if you don't agree with me uh, with about higher taxes, more government, if, if you don't agree with me that moms are birthing people, if you don't agree with me that government has a constitutional right to talk to your five-year-old about sexuality, you're a bad person, and you're not even an American.
1: Bingo! John Kennedy, a Republican of Louisiana, lays it out as only he can. Now, of course, there was another John Kennedy who served in the United States Senate. In fact, one of only two figures in American history uh, in the the early to mid-20th century who went straight from the U.S. Senate to the White House. One was Warren G. Harding in 1920. The other, John F. Kennedy of Massachusetts, in 1960. Now, this is John F. Kennedy as president warning us against the very tactics used by Joe Biden and his bunch right now. Take a listen to Cut 8.
0: Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment
1: you hear that from jfk and it's a warning to us today and i will tell you why later on we're going to hear from my former house colleague Now the senior senator from South Carolina, I don't know if he did it on purpose or if he just was this much of a goof. But understand the goal of the Biden bunch is to take away your constitutional rights. And the way they want to do it is to see someone who is classified as a conservative in the minds of the Democrats and the alphabet media and the newspapers. But I I repeat myself as a, quote, extremist looking for an excuse to take away our constitutional rights. But then again, we should also understand this. Joe Biden, after throwing his little tantrum last night, apparently they adjusted his medication. He comes back today, and now now he's saying, oh, I don't consider any Trump supporter to be a threat. What did he say? Joe, what did you say last night? But here's the thing. Old Joe doesn't remember much anymore. That's why he's perfect for Barack Obama and George Soros and the guys pulling the string to use this shell of a guy. Never an intellectual giant to begin with. But I got to tell you, sure, he was obnoxious in politics, but he he could actually be a good guy. One time, we're going to New York. Back when the late great Don Imus had his uh, simulcast on uh, WFAN and also on MSNBC, before that stood for make-up stuff and never believe conservatives. And I had gotten to be a regular on Imus. So anyway, we're do- we're doing this fundraising thing. We so Mary and I and some staffers were on the train, and Biden's on the train. Hey, come up here. We got to talk. Well. I had caught the flu or something. This was pre COVID. I say, hey, 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 Joe, I'm gonna go back and sit with my wife. I got one of my aides to go in and argue with Joe. Joe was always spoiling for a fight. Well, anyway, here here is Joe last night. Forget the three faces of Eve. Here is Joe going from divider to unider in less than twenty seconds. Listen to Cut Nine.
0: MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together we can choose a different path.
1: Whoa, whoa, now, wait a minute, Joe. Are, are you using that for Contrast? Uh, MAGA Republican. in other words, conservative Republicans are horrible people. They embrace the darkness. They can't be trusted for anything. But, hey, together we can get stuff done. Well, maybe that will appeal to somebody. All I know is that is what he said on January 20th of last year when he took the oath of office. I'm a uniter, not a divider. G. Joe. You could have fooled me, but the bottom line is this. This guy is not who he used to be, and that is why he is where he is. There are big money people, ideological globalists, and people who want to drive the U.S. of A straight down to H-E double hockey sticks who are pulling his strings. When we come back, my fellow Channel 10 alum, Carrie Lake, reacts to Biden's speech. Stay with me. Uh, 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 Yeah, it's uh, AM 960, The Patriot, KKNT, Recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth, in for Seth Liebson 602-508-0960, if you have something to add to the broadcast. In mere moments, my fellow Channel 10 alum, and now a candidate for public office, the Republican nominee for governor, Carrie Lake, what she had to say about... Uh, Joe Biden's bad, bad, nasty, horrible, terrible speech from last night. Before we get there, though, there's another names the same thing. Before the break, we did the whole John Kennedy thing. Well, you may have read in the headlines this past week that a senior FBI official, a guy, now get ready for it, his name is Tim Tebow. All right, but very different spelling. I don't know if the dude's Cajun or French-Canadian or what. This Tim Tebow, not like the great quarterback and the the talented athlete and the the guy who, wow, you talk about a guy who is unashamed of his witness and has a powerful story. Don't know if you heard about Tim Tebow, T-E-B-O-W, but his mom was advised by doctors to terminate her pregnancy because of health problems they thought existed in utero for the unborn baby who you now know as Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow put up some of his own money for a right-to-life spot that I think aired on, uh, on a bowl game. I don't have a super, I think it was a college bowl game. And boy, the networks, they yanked that stuff after they they agreed to it once. So you got the good Tim Tebow, the former quarterback, the guy who is unashamed of his witness, uh, and then you got the discredited FBI official Tim Tebow, T H I B A U L T. Well, according to our pals at Gateway Pundit, let me just read you this headline. Oh my! This changes everything. Biden family whistle blower Tony Bobulinski says top FBI official Tim Tebow buried info he gave to bureau on Biden family criminal acts. Well, isn't that special? Mercy! Yeah, you never mind the fact. Boy, I got to tell you, the, the 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 guy with the sight problems who had that little computer fix-it shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Thank goodness he kept a record of what he sent, and the FBI's been sitting on this thing. So I thought you might like that information. Now, to my old pal Kerry Lake, it was interesting. I don't know if they'll probably time this story. Uh, I thought it was going to come in the primary. I get a call from a reporter, nice guy, uh, and he's new around here, so <laughs> I don't know him compared to the other folks from the Arizona Repugnant and, and those newspapers who came after me back in the day. But we're talking about um, talking about Kerry Lake, and he asked me, and this, this is when, um, long before the primary, I said, look, Kerry has... Donald Trump's endorsement, and that's important, but that's not the only thing. The fact is that Kerry, and this is what I really like about Kerry, both as a person and as a political candidate. Remember, when I would go being a big guy, and finally, the Arizona repugnant nailed me on this, Doug McKeckern loved writing the editorial. The deal was we're in. It used to be they'd interview ca- candidates separately. So they. This is 2006. It was going to be a tough year anyway. As I told George W. Bush on Air Force One coming out when he was doing one of his border triangulation events with Chano, the former governor Janet Napolitano. JD, what's going on out there? Well, pretty, pretty simple, Mr. President. They're upset at you, and they're going to take it out on me. But I. I didn't use the term upset. I used a term that was more appropriate for the Imus and the network show. So anyway, we're going in for the... uh uh, I was in the morning show. Anyway, we're sitting there in the repugnant doing the, uh, doing the editorial thing. And I say, well, I don't want to sit here like a nod on log. Let me look at my opponent. That's all I did. McKechern writes it up like I was leaning over and getting in the guy's face and talking about a scowl and a grin and a beak-like nose. Bottom line, what it was, uh, this. The headline was, reject the bully. So, Doug, I remember, pal, I don't bear you any ill will, but I tell the story because Carrie Lake can be tough, but she is telegenic, and she's not a great big guy, so you're not going to call her a bully. Evidence of that when we come back in mere moments. It's J.D. for Seth. A.M. 960 is the Patriot. Yeah, yeah, if you need somebody, if you want to talk to somebody, call right now, 602-508-0960, J.D. For Seth. And I, I guess I don't need to do any further buildup, but let me just set this up. You can see uh, Carrie Lakes, attract, in, in an interesting way, it's almost like the attraction that reporters have for Donald Trump. Donald Trump makes news. And Carrie Lake makes news. She holds a a press event last night to react to Joe Biden's speech. I hear from some of my old pals in the biz that like nine or ten TV cameras show up. And she makes a very, very good point. You know, old Joe last night, how dare you deny an election? And, of course, the reporter, in, in a bit of a confrontational way, Asks the same thing of Kerry. Listen to Kerry's answer. Cut 10.
2: Since when can we not ask questions about our elections? As a journalist for many years, I was a journalist after 2016, and I distinctly remember many people just like you asking a lot of questions about the 2016 election results. And nobody tried to shut you up. Nobody tried to tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. Nobody tried to tell Kamala Harris when she was questioning the uh, legitimacy of these electronic voting machines to stop. We're, we have freedom of speech in this country, and you of all people should appreciate that. You're supposedly a journalist. You should appreciate that. So I don't see how asking questions about an election where there are many problems is dividing a country. Hey, game, set,
1: and match. Now, you may have been reading that the Democrat nominee... Frady Katie Hobbs is saying, oh, I don't want to be in the debate because and it's always the same thing. The left plays this thing like I'm a target whenever they're in trouble. And look, I've told you the story about death threats. I don't revel in it. I'm not. It's a when you're in public life. There are people who threaten you. I don't care what party you're from. I don't care your your political philosophy. It's a reality. But what's so cool is Carrie, because she is telegenic and she's not a big lug of a guy like yours truly, they can't hit her with the bully thing. And she, not only did this local reporter last night, hey, she did it to my old buddy at Fox, Brett Bear, a couple of months ago. Remember that? But wait, there's more. Carrie Lake finishes her answer, and she does so in a way Ronald Reagan said you, do, you always leave them with something positive. Cut 11.
2: What I do see dividing a country is shutting people down, censoring people, canceling people, trying to destroy people's lives when they do ask questions. Last I heard, we still have the Constitution. It's hanging by a thread, thanks to some of the work some people in this area have done. But we're going to save that Constitution, and we're going to bring back freedom of speech. There and it maybe is. maybe someday you'll
1: thank us Yeah, bring back freedom of speech. That's a positive way to say things are headed for H-E-Double Hockey Sticks right now, but you entrust me with this job, it begins here. And, you know, the other thing that's Trumpy, and although not, look, uh, you know, Donald Trump was a billionaire, okay? He had dough to run for president. Carrie, like yours truly, came from television. And boy, television helps. I got it. When you're a president, for me, it was only seven years at Channel 10. For her, it was a quarter century. So people have you into their homes. And in television, you learn how to state your case in a way that is concise and compelling. And so that's what Kerry is doing. And uh, I know that Soros and those guys have ginned up some dough, but it didn't work in the primary. I don't think it's going to work in the general. I think Kerry Lake will be the next governor of Arizona. Now, did somebody say the word case? Oh, yeah, I did. More on Donald Trump and more on the case of Donald Trump. And you need to understand this. Because, again, this is part of what Joe Biden was doing last night, trying to goad you and me and the segment of the population that will act out. I hope this is not the case, but I've said it before. And a guy I respect, the the smartest guy I know in politics, said it publicly the other night. My old pal, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, said on the Fox News channel, get ready because the Department of Just Us is going to indict President Trump. Cut 12. I fully expect the Justice Department to indict President Trump in a D.C. court a district where he got 5.6% of the vote, so by 19 to 1, the jury is likely to be against him? Yeah, it's politics. It's politics, pure and simple. Why? The left is terrified of Trump. That's why you had uh, <laughs> impeachment one, then you had double secret probation after he's out of office. They try to impeach him again? And now all this, it is not based on equal justice under law. It is a political prosecution and persecution. Now, if Newt is the smartest guy I know in politics, Lindsey Graham is, how can I say, is the, um, is, well, he's basically a bottom feeder, okay, it's it's kind of like the whole deal with with Lindsey and the late Senator McCain. It was like the episode of Andy Griffith with uh, remember Howard Morris would play Ernest T. Bass, and he say, "Be my father." It was a be my father figure. It was that kind of deal for Lindsay. He decided that John McCain was his father figure, and so when John would do the thing about the border. These are God's children, Lindsay. Yeah, that's right. If you don't believe in open border, you a racist. And then, of course, Lindsay pulls it all around the other way. But here is Lindsay the other night with his fellow South Carolinian, Trey Gowdy, on the Fox News Channel, Sunday night in America. And Lindsay uh, steps into trouble. And maybe he did it intentionally. Let's listen to cut 13.
2: And I'll say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets.
1: Gee, thanks, Lindsey. That's idiotic. And sometimes I think Lindsey does it on purpose because there's a whole lot of Lindsey that's a whole lot of swamp. Now, I know I know that Senator Graham envisions himself as if he's that other South Carolinian from the Revolutionary Era. That would be Francis Marion, the Revolutionary War hero who was called the Swamp Fox. But in reality, Lindsay comes closer to one of the special guest villains on the Batman campy TV series of the 1960s. Do you remember Milton Burl as Louis the Lilac? It's real simple. When it comes down to Lindsey Graham, you ain't got nothing but Lindsey the Lilac trying to suck up to Washington. It's J.D. for Seth. Final word coming up. Yes, I am feeling stronger every day and feeling stronger in this program as we're about to conclude it. (laughs) Five minutes in front of six. J.D. Hayworth in for Seth Liebson. And uh, if you don't mind, I rise to a point of personal privilege for something pretty special at the Hayworth Hacienda. Miss Mary and I, blessed with three kids... And man, you know, time is passing as your kids uh, demographically enter their uh, late twenties or their early thirties, or in the case of uh, another of our kids, uh, way up past the big four zero. So we're all growing up. Our middle daughter Hannah, and you—you you may, if you watch the Brady Bunch, remember how Jan had that thing because she was smack dab in the middle. So she wasn't the eldest and she wasn't the baby. And remember, in fact, Donald Trump would, would use the cadence when he'd talk about that, that whole hoax. Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember Jan Brady was Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Well, that, that did not happen at the Hayworth Hacienda because it's kind of interesting. Our eldest daughter. Is 14 years. Nicole is a little, is a few years uh, ahead of Hannah. So Nicole had her time and then Hannah came along. And I, I know you're not supposed to mention a lady's age, but yesterday Hannah Lynn Hayworth turned 32. And maybe you've had this experience as we grow up. This is all new to us, right? You only do this in earthly existence once. So I remember that day 32 years ago, September 1st, came on a Saturday. There was a full moon. We were the first guys into the maternity ward, and we were followed quickly by about 12 other couples. And what I remember about Hannah's arrival... Because, you know, you go through those classes and it's it's not exactly tag team wrestling, but you're there to encourage your spouse. And Mary was a trooper. I mean, she didn't take any heavy-duty pain medication. And um, in terms of uh, birth and babies, based on what I understand from the folks there, it was great. It was trouble-free in the case of Hannah Lynn Hayworth showing up. I had the vantage point. As Hannah took her first breath, and there is that, as she was coming into the world, I was greeted by one open eye, and then the air comes into her lungs. Wow! That miracle! I will always remember, I will always treasure, and I offer this not to embarrass any of my kids but Hannah Lynn Hayworth, whatever your age, it is an honor being your daddy. And the same thing's true for Nicole and John Micah. And goodness knows, say a prayer for them all, plus Miss Mary, because they're stuck with me. I'm glad I was stuck with you today for Seth Liebson, J.D. Hayworth. Stay brave, stay free, stay tuned.